With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Blue wire. It's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again! The Cleveland Cavaliers select Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. Here comes Sexton. Some ribbon. And he got it! Young Ball continues to wear him out! Do you know what the Cavs fans are calling the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt? What? Sexland. Oh, that's good. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. With me today is the babyless Carter Rodriguez. Carter, this is probably going to be our last podcast uh, with you being a uh, babyless man. How, how does it feel? Well, barring, uh, you know, John Be- Beeline being fired or something like that, uh, this or a Kevin Love trade, this is our last podcast uh, mm-hmm. with me babyless as... Um, uh, we will be inducing on Thursday, so going to be a dad sooner rather than later. Couldn't come, couldn't come any sooner at this point. Um, um, I am very, very excited for you and Kylie. This is oh, thanks, uh, babe. This is going to be some cool stuff. I also appreciate you leaving me looking for replacement co-hosts over the Christmas break. That's that's a real great time uh, to go out there and get some asks. Uh, so I, I do appreciate the timing of that there. Listen, as far as I can tell, a lot of people are going to be on vacation. So <laughs> that's fair. You know, it, it'd probably be a bit of a downtime anyways. We, we are getting into that time. Um, so what I want to get to right off the bat is just my sense of relief. Not not that this will be the, the last time talking to you for a little bit, because that, that does give me some relief. It, it's a little bit of weight off my shoulders, especially with you being a negative Nancy, but also relief that the awful, 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 awful part of the Cavs schedule is finally over with that loss to Toronto last night. Free at last, free at last, Justin. Um, it was about as ugly of a schedule stretch you'll ever see. It looked bad at the time. Uh, It looks bad now. Um, Truly, uh, about as unfair of a stretch you'll see for a good team. Um, (laughs) Let alone this this crap basket of a franchise that we we know and love. Yeah, we... um... 
we are now officially the team with the hardest schedule up to this point, which should surprise absolutely nobody. Uh-uh. I, I want to drop a stat on you, and I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I, I kind of hope you haven't because I want to get your legitimate reaction. Did you see Matt Moore tweet our record against winning teams versus losing teams today? No. Okay. So what would you have to guess? What would you guess that our record against teams below 500 is? Keep, keep in mind the number of games played. Let me just get this here. Yeah, I was doing the exact same thing. 27. 27 games played. Well, now that I know it's an outlandish number, that hurts. Um, I would say they're like 2 and 14 against okay. winning teams. I, I was asking, yeah, I was asking teams with a losing record, but okay. Oh, it's a losing record. So yeah. then by that, uh, two or four and seven. Four and seven. We are five and five. <laughs> we have a 500 record against teams with a losing record, and we are one in 16. One in 16 against teams with a winning wow. record. And that includes games uh, against quote-unquote playoff teams like Orlando that have a losing record. So that that's factoring into there. Uh, Detroit, who I think a lot of people still kind of project to be a playoff team or on that bubble. Um, so, my God, when we, well, when we face off against the Hornets on Wednesday, there is a chance that we are going to go above 500 against teams with a losing record. Yeah, that's um, alarming. Uh, Ten and games, espe- Carter. Ten especially... Games. When you consider that seven teams in the East have a winning record, and it looks like only six in the West have a winning record. So 13 <laughs> winning teams. That means 17 teams with losing records, and yet the Cavs have almost exclusively played the 13 teams with winning records. Here's the big thing. So I, I wrote a uh, game preview. I was on preview duty for the, the Hornets game. If this game were to have taken place earlier in the season, I'd be pretty confident because you look at that uh, five and five record against teams with a losing record, and a whole lot of that came early in the year when this team was confident um, that they were better than people were projecting them to be. They were competing every single game. Kevin Love hadn't really quit on the team to the degree that we saw. And now that they've kind of had that peak behind the curtain, now now that the toothpaste is out of the tube, I don't know if you can get back to that level. And I, I think that's going to be the big thing um, moving forward is now that they are playing some teams that are a little closer to them in talent level and, um, and, and just in the standings in general. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to get that same early season effort which I, I think is going to be necessary if you're going to want some wins down uh, down these games here. Justin, I know if we're going to get that early season effort. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I think you do too because well, the yes. answer is no, they're not. Well, I mean, we were afraid. This is all we wanted. All we wanted out of this horrific stretch of games for the Cavs was for their spirit not to be utterly and completely broken by the end of it. And – so, wing and a miss. Yeah, I, I, 
I guess if you want to have some comfort and if you want to go into conspiracy theory mode or not conspiracy theory mode, but if you want to say, well, you know, maybe if the schedule wasn't so bad, Kevin Love went to check down in the same way. He checked out like November 14th. We are over a month of that. That was like two weeks of bad schedule. Forget this whole month and a half business. Um, I, I think that that was going to come no matter what. Uh, so that, that doesn't concern me as much here. Um, it, it is interesting. So I, I don't know if you saw the Woj and Lowe special, but for those that didn't, uh, because the conversation isn't just between us, uh, Woj had mentioned that the market right now for Kevin Love is basically you get an expiring contract, a protected first round pick, and a throw-in player. Um, so I don't know how you would define a throw-in player. Uh, Zach Lowe responded to that, saying that he believes that the Cavs will still end up getting a first-round pick out of this, like a legitimate one, not a heavily protected one. Um, and all that it takes is one team, basically. Um, so uh, with this schedule lighting up and uh, or lightening up and Kevin Love – having an opportunity here to kind of play his way out of town. Um, I'm interested to see if we do see a little bit of an uptick in effort from him, knowing that the market is at a place where the Cavs are not incentivized to move him. Yeah. I, I actually think this is a a great opportunity um, to discuss what I've been wanting to discuss for some time, which is, uh, and obviously we haven't talked in a week, so now, mm-hmm. now is the best time. How mad should we be at Kevin Love? Um, because I think the discourse is getting a little out of hand. Your thoughts? Here's the thing. I, you know that I go with my gut, and I don't do a lot of critical thinking. Um, every time I watch Kevin Love play over the last few weeks, what I'd be okay with in return goes down. Um, I think that his attitude has been very discouraging. I think that it's the type of thing that can bring down a young locker room. Um, and while I understand that there are factors outside of his control and I I can do the same thing that I did with Kyrie saying, well, you know, when he was signed, I think there was probably an understanding that he'd be traded and then he got hurt right off the bat, um, broke his foot to start last season. So a trade last year was untenable. Now you you got a totally different cap situation and a trade is a lot more difficult. He, he's got a sore back that I'm sure is bothering him. But I think at the very least, his attitude could be a little bit better. And it's frustrating to see him taking this route. I'm glad that there hasn't been a public trade request, um, but I completely understand where fans are coming from if they are, are kind of a little sick of him right now. Yeah, it's, I don't know, man. I just think what the reason I wanted to ask was I find it a little, I don't know about unfair because like I get it. It sucks that his attitude's terrible, but I also feel like, he hurt his back again for the 500th time. And it's just so hard. Like if there's an injury that makes it easy to decide not to try, it's a back injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a couple of possessions against Toronto where you, he started to run back and it was like, I, I think I said on the discord, it looked like there was just a metal rod stuck up his ass <laughs> that w- went all the way up to his spine. 
Like he could not get moving. And like, that's going to just exacerbate everything and make things worse than they look. And I just feel like I'm not ready to burn any goodwill that I had for Kevin heading into the season. Um, because I'm a little disappointed with his body language. Oh, I, I'm super. I'm very, very much able to compartmentalize things. Like LeBron James is still probably my favorite player of all time, and at the same okay. time, I wanted him out of town. Okay. And this is a, a very tough thing to admit. I am now, and, and I have no control over this. But in, in my heart of hearts, I, if I'm being honest with myself, I am rooting for the Lakers to win it all this year because I. I, I think I think the biggest factor is I know how much it would piss off Sam, Andy, and all the Warriors fans, and, and maybe maybe it's spite in a different direction that is driving that. Um, but I like to see it. But the same thing happens with Kevin Love. No matter what, that is a guy that I feel like his jersey should go up in the rafters. He's always going to have a massive, massive part of Cavs history associated with him, and I I don't really wish him any ill will. I I think both. I, I think the extension was good in theory. I think he gave it an honest shot for the most part. And I'm going to feel a lot better about what's happening this season if the attitude changes over these next couple of weeks with the schedule lightening up. Um, it, I, I think that it's going to be a little bit easier for him to be a good soldier, even if he's not feeling at 110%. But if he continues to pout and go that direction – um, I, I think it's completely justifiable to be annoyed with him. Yeah, I guess I get annoyed. It just feels like a little too, um, just a little too much. I don't know. Carter, you understand that this is the reason why ratings are down in the NBA. It's because of nerds like you coming on podcasts, telling people how to fan and how to feel that this oh, is stop it. <laughs> you just stop it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just like, it just feels like the, it's not that I don't find it frustrating when he doesn't get back on defense or has terrible body language, but also like most of the stuff that's annoying him is annoying me too. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no, like, absolutely. So like, I just think my fondness for love as a Cavalier is like kind of outpacing my frustration with him mm-hmm. and if anything, I'm frustrated that it's hurting their ability to get a good trade return for him. Yeah. But I don't know. It just feels like the like an like if I'm mad at why the Cavs suck, it just feels dumb to be mad at Kevin Love. No, no, I, I think that that's a, a very fair point to make and kind of segues into one of the guys that one of the Kevin other Love- reasons. Yeah, the real reason we're mad. <laughs> One of the reasons why Kevin Love or one of the main people that Kevin Love is very frustrated with, uh, as well as seemingly all of the veterans on the team, and that's Colin Sexton. Um, Sexton, I I thought he actually had one of his best games of the year against Toronto. Um, I mentioned this in our Discord chat as well. Uh, That was my favorite Darius Garland game of the year because he started off, I I think it was one for seven or two for seven, um, and then just kept taking these confident shots quick deep shots um, defender nearby he was just pulling and he shot his way into an efficient night Um, two early turnovers uh, that were kind of forced passes to Tristan Thompson where he dropped it and or never really got control so that gets credited to Garland Uh, but after that took great care of the ball had some great passes um, and I thought Sexton, um, even though he wasn't making advanced reads he was giving up the ball and guys capitalized on that Um, but overall 
are we at the point where we kind of have to have a little bit of a Colin Sexton conversation? Because I think at this point, it's kind of clear that he has regressed to some extent this season. I don't think he regressed, Justin. I think we care more what he's not good at. Okay. I, I think it's more obvious the the deficiencies of him as a playmaker um, are more glaring. I think – I wonder if – to your point about regression, maybe there is some from the perspective, like maybe the worst thing to tell Colin Sexton was you're a shooting guard now. (laughs) I want to jump into that. I want to jump into a very common Twitter talking point, which is, well, you can't really expect him to pass. He's a shooting guard now. Uh, It's a totally different role. No, he's not. He has a higher usage than he had last year. He is getting more touches than Darius Garland. He is bringing up the ball more frequently. He is defending shooting guards, but offensively, he still functions as a point guard. And I don't understand why we're still talking like this is 90s, early 2000s basketball, where only the point guard is creating for guys. That is not the modern NBA. And if you look, so his assist percentage is down from last season. His usage is up from last season. If you want to look at guys with a usage rate over 26% and an assist percentage under 14%, since 2000, there are very few guys in that category with Colin Sexton. It's Kevin Martin in 2014-2015, Lou Williams that season when he was with Toronto, Leandro Barbosa, and Michael Redd. Oh, sorry, also Alan Houston. That's basically it. It's all shooting guards. There are no point guards with that profile. And even if you look at Jordan Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson is rookie year. He had an assist percentage of, uh, I think it was around 24%. He was a much more willing passer. And I think if you're looking at what the ceiling is for Colin Sexton's passing, it's probably Clarkson. That might even be generous because Clarkson was a better natural passer when he came into the NBA. I I think Colin Sexton can absolutely be a useful player, but I do think making an excuse that he's playing at shooting guard is ignoring the way that this team plays, and it's it's exactly, as I said, it's excuses. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just kind of goes back to what we've said all along is like, you know, you can't teach vision, and I don't think he has the capacity to see and feel the geometry of the court. And Mm -hmm. I I just, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Um, Here's the big thing to me. I I think if that's true, if that's the issue, I think it even justifies what we've been saying, which is this team might want to experiment with splitting him and Garland up. Even, Even if for ego purposes, you want to keep him in the starting line. Okay, that's fine. Sub him out early stagger them more, let him run point guard with the second unit, have him out there with Delhi and have Garland play some minutes with Clarkson and Kevin Porter Jr. Because those guys seem to be playing well together recently. They seem to have some good chemistry. And if Sexton, as a point guard, is showing better vision um, and better team basketball with that second unit, then maybe you, you can adjust from there. You, you have them adopt some more of those responsibilities with the starting lineup. Um, I, I mean, nothing has to be set in stone here. Um, but I, I think going back to what you said as well, if he's with the second unit, it's going to allow him to guard point guards, which I, I think is a welcome change. 
it maybe it's going to help him with his efficiency and kind of lighten the load so that he can be a little bit more of the player that we saw last season offensively, at least in the second half of the year. Yeah. The, my, my problem with it is like, I get that you kind of want to move him into the bench and move him into that Jordan Clarkson role to see if he can do it. But you know who we hate in the Jordan Clarkson role? Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson. Mm -hmm. And I don't see how a worse passing version of Jordan, which Sexton currently is, um, and a worse shooting version of of Jordan, which Sexton certainly is. I don't, I'm, I'm worried that, this will just reveal itself to be that we just don't like on Sexton. Well, I, I think what you're, you're prioritizing, what you're prioritizing there is fewer times where Darius Garland is standing around watching. Cause I, I think if you look at what he's been the last couple of weeks, you're seeing a more confident player out there. Um, but he's going to have, these good stretches he's, he's had a few times now against Milwaukee against Toronto where he blows up in a quarter where he's taking a bunch of shots and he's creating for other guys and then he just doesn't get touches and he's standing around he's watching Sexton and I think they can be successful in your turn my turn I, I think Toronto's a great example of that but that's not the ideal version and I think staggering them lets you develop and see what you have in Garland a little bit more. And as I said, this can be a fluid situation. If this isn't working out, um, you can absolutely make changes. Nothing has to be set in stone. And you can even start the two of them together. I'm just advocating for fewer minutes with them together, whatever form you want that to take. Yeah, I just, again, I don't think this really makes any sense until you – Go ahead and knock uh, knock our boy uh, Jordan out of the team and trade mm-hmm. him. Um, <laughs> because ultimately, you just ruin your bench units, which are already pretty bad. Um, and I guess you, I mean, I guess you, it's a half measure, but you'd rather just be able to do the full, the whole shebang. I, I don't know. My thing with Sexton right now is if the jumper doesn't get better, then he just sucks. I I wouldn't go that far. I still believe uh, what what can he do then if if not? I I still believe in his defensive upside. I I think that he can be an impactful defender. I think he wants to be one. Um, it's well, going to take I, some time. To be clear, I'm saying. Well, I mean, I guess he kind of just sucks now, no matter what. But my point is, he I, the you're, road, you're, you're talking this yeah. season, not the his path. Potential. The path to him being useful in any context. As an NBA player on a it involves a jump team, shot, involves a jump shot and involves better finishing. So, like, if you can't shoot and you can't pass, I don't really care if you're a good defender. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's uh, is that is that too mean? Ugh. Yeah, um, I, I don't think it is. I, I, that's a that's a depressing thing to look at. I, I think but his shots. That, that, the, yeah, the I, I think his shot's going to normalize to some extent. Like, I don't think it's as good as it was last season. Uh, but Tough. it wouldn't you surprise think? me if maybe he settles in at a 34% clip or something like that. See, that's not good enough. It's I, just not good enough. And yeah. I, I don't know what to say. Like, it's not that I don't want him to figure it out if not. But, like, 
the the roadmap to seeing Sexton turn into a useful rotation player on a good team involves him becoming a high usage, high efficiency scorer. Mm-hmm. And if he can do that, then I don't really care how good of a passer he is in the context the Cavs would use him. Uh, if he can do that, I don't really care how good of a defender he is. But right. Unless he becomes some like foul drawing maven, which he still has not proven to be. I mean, he's a little better than last year, but not significantly. So mm-hmm. his margin for error is low. That's the reality of the situation is when you can't pass as a lead guard, you better be able to do everything else pretty fucking well. Yeah, you, you look at that that free throw rate of point two four five. That's that's not going to cut it. It's just not um, enough. Yeah, and and the most discouraging thing is he's just flat out not taking threes. Like he is becoming a a non factor from that range, and that that's really really discouraging because there was a time there where it looked like they got over the hump with him. He changed his shot profile. Things that we really credited him for last season. And part of the reason why I jumped on the Colin Sexton bandwagon this season was because he had made those changes. And I don't think anything has changed in terms of him being um, a gym rat and someone that works really hard on his game. But these are the type of hiccups that can happen with a young player where, okay, that outside shot has now abandoned you and he's going back to his shot profile from when he struggled last season where he's taking those mid-range shots. You're seeing the floaters and and he's getting blocked at the rim. And really all he's providing you with is empty empty scoring. And sometimes it's efficient. And at the end of the day, I, I agree with you that that's, that's simply not going to cut it. Yeah, those guys, you can find them a dime a dozen. Uh, it's just not enough. And, you know, I think we knew this going in. We knew this going into last year. Um, but the shooting regression has drawn into stark relief and the lack of progression as a passer um, mm-hmm. has really turned into stark relief. Like, you know, I don't know if he's gotten any worse. I think that feels a little reductive, um, but yeah. he certainly hasn't gotten better. And you kind of hope for someone to get a little more feel. Uh, you know, if, if which, Darius which Garland... We're, just, we're flat out not seeing. Yeah. If Darius Garland is still throwing uh, pocket passes directly into the hands of defenders uh, three months from now, <laughs> I'm not going to be fucking happy about it, you know? And, like, Sexton still misses those easy corner reads. Like, Yeah, and, and especially defender. if Garland is doing that at this time next year. That, that would be that yeah. would be a problem. Like, like, these are basic things that you need guards to be able to do. Hey, uh, so the, the defense is helping the helper. Where's that guy's man? Like, <laughs> you know, like basic stuff. You know, when they go to tag the roller, you have to look to that corner. I don't know what to tell you. Like, these are, and I'm not saying it's easy. I, I certainly wouldn't be able to do it. But, like, if you're going to be a good guard, you have to be able to do that stuff. And I just haven't seen it from him. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't fault anyone for not jumping off the Colin Sexton bandwagon. Like if you want to stay on that, that's completely fine. I'm, I'm not necessarily off either. I just think based on his play right now, it would justify some sort of a change. And, Oh, can I, can I make a, can I make another complaint before you pivot off? Cause I just yeah, want you to pivot off. It. So when I play pickup basketball, Justin, um, and it's a lower level game, like I'm not playing with really good players. 
if there's ever a two-on-one in transition and I'm on defense, I tend to overplay the pass. Because if you're playing with people who suck, they are terrified to shoot. <laughs> they want to make that pass. Because yeah. they, they want to feel unselfish. They want to do it. Yeah, it's all that stuff. They're not confident. So you just overplay the pass and bet that if you make one half lunge at them, they'll try to make a pass and you can rip, you can steal it. Right. Boy, would I not do that with Colin Sexton. When's the last <laughs> fucking time that dude passed on a transition? It's, <laughs> it's like four on once. And he'd rather draw the foul. Which, by yeah. the way, he doesn't draw. It's either a really tough finish that he makes or he just misses it and they get the board. It's like you've got you've got Tristan filling one lane, you've got another runner guy running to the corner, and he shoots every single time. Mm-hmm. Every single time. It's just driving me crazy, man. Well, on the plus side, the Cavs never seem to want to push the pace, so there, there's not a lot of those opportunities. Well, when they're there, they are not capitalized <laughs> on it at a very high level. Yeah, as I was going to say, if you are still on the Sexton bandwagon, that nothing wrong with that. I hope he turns around. I think he has absolutely everything um, within his character to be the type of player that can turn these things around. Um, all I ask from you, all I ask from you, you can disagree with us, is stop using the excuse he's playing shooting guard because it just yeah. does not align with reality in any way, shape, or form. And I think the other reason why people are losing some patience with him is because of the presence of Kevin Porter Jr., who absolutely fits the the profile of what you would theoretically want in a shooting guard, just larger player. He's got all the tools. He's a flashy player. He's had some explosive outings now that really have turned people's heads. And he's an exciting guy. And he has great chemistry right off the bat with Darius Garland. Um, they, they have a connection from before the Cavs and that's paying off now when you, we see Darius Garland going full court and throwing a perfect lob from half the KPJ, it, it's hard not to get excited about that. And, um, I, I know we, we had some debate prior to the season about who has the highest ceilings and whatnot. And I think I had KPJ as the second highest ceiling on this team. Um, I, I think what we've seen so far has kind of gotten more people on on board with, with what I was saying there. Yeah, I mean, it's Dude funny because awesome. he's still his advanced metrics are still pretty bad. All of his on off are pretty bad. Oh but, yeah, he's not he's not a good player yet. Let, let yeah, me clarify there. He is just there's just a little something. The three point shot is getting more comfortable. He's kind of just firing him up, broken ass form and everything, which <laughs> I actually think is probably for the best for him. Yep. Um, yeah. Work, work on just, that during the summer. Work on yeah. that during the summer. Just take the right shots now. Yeah. And I, I, I just think, like, ultimately, like, you just see the size. You see a little bit more active hands. Um, it just makes a lot of sense at this point to go ahead and start him uh, next to next to Garland. Like, yep. they're showing some – because I, I think that's actually a discussion. Because obviously, like – We've we've talked a lot about how we like Porter and we like watching Porter and we believe in Porter. But what do you do with that information? You know, I think it makes sense to me to start him, and here's why. I I think the least favorite version of Porter for us has been I'm gonna go figure this out. <laughs> you know, yeah. 
Like yeah. we don't love that version of Porter. We like him attacking closeout, being decisive, uh, cutting. Uh, these are the things we've liked to see. And my, unlike Darius, who has only shown, been able to show aggression on the second unit where we need him to show more with the starters, we kind of would like to see Porter, uh, mm-hmm. you know, excise the inefficient parts of his game in favor of efficient ones. Yeah. And it makes sense to me that that would happen on the starting lineup. Now, do he, does he make those lineups worse? Probably. I mean, sex land is not working, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think that it just makes a lot of sense structurally. Like, you know, Zavak wants Brandon Knight uh, in the starting lineup, even though he's not even in the rotation. Yeah, Z- um, Zavak is sleep deprived. You, you're going to run always, into the same thing when you have your child. Um, that that's the only explanation for what he was. He's always about. been on the Brandon Knight bandwagon. I don't uh, understand it. Um, but you know, you look at the other. It's, I mean, really, it's the only two people that you can credibly suggest starting other than Brandon Knight are KPJ or Alfonso McKinney. Um, I think I McKinney makes more sense than you think. Well, no, no, no. McKinney makes sense. Remember, well, I, I mean, I said this last time that we talked was that one option would be to move Jetty to shooting guard and start McKinney at the three. If you were trying to win games, I think that's what you would be trying to do. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you should rule out Jordan Clarkson. Like if you want to keep Colin Sexton happy and you Did Jordan are con- Clarkson, just send you that in a, in a DM. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Joe Varden did on behalf of his agents. So. Oh, that's great. Um, no, if if you want to keep Sexton happy, what I would do is sub him out early in the quarter and have Jordan Clarkson out there with him, and then you you played Matthew Delvadova along with Sexton, and hopefully you can make up some of the playmaking there. Maybe you even sub out Jetty early. So there, there's some additional support there with that second unit. Um, but no, I, I think Clarkson would be a viable option, but we're not trying to win games. We're trying to develop players. And right now KPJ and Sexton are, or not Sexton Garland are showing better chemistry. And, and you look at Porter month to month He's basically the Velociraptor learning. Like the the efficiency, everything is improving dramatically. Uh, for eight games here in December, he's got true shooting percentage of sixty one point five. He's shooting forty five percent from three, almost fifty percent from the floor. Like he's becoming legitimately good. And friend of the podcast, Spencer Davies, had a, a great little video with Tristan Thompson where he was talking um, about what he's been telling Porter in practice, which is you have too many moves you, you have too many skills and you're trying to show them you're, you're doing too much guys in the nba don't want to work that hard on defense you can simplify your it's, game it's the paul Go- rudd scene from forgetting sarah marshall <laughs> <laughs> you're doing you, too much well now yeah, you're not doing yeah. anything yeah, uh, do do less, do less. No, you, you can go north-south a little bit more. And I, I think as he's realizing that, you, you're seeing it in his game. It's, okay, well, one move, quick counter, and I'm at the rim. And he, he has that type of ability, and he has that type of bag of tricks. And um, one way or another, I think he's going to be rewarded with a spot in the starting lineup at some point this season. Yeah, it just makes sense. But also, you know, old man beeline. Be might uh, disagree. I think that <laughs> what I don't want to see is Delhi in the starting lineup. Oh my! Um, yeah, or Brandon Knight. What the hell, Zayvac? 
If, if you listen to podcasts, my goodness, I, I would probably go in on you a little bit more. Yeah. Honestly, that should free us up to go on, on him even harder. He's never going to hear it. <laughs> See, that that's the way you think of insulting people. I, I like to make sure that they hear it. I, that's, that, that's what I'm really all about here. That's fair. We love you, David. Don't, don't, don't you forget it, even if Hiram yells at you. <laughs> Who apparently a loyalist in the podcaster and, and is very convinced that we have an agenda uh, to push Colin Sexton out of the starting lineup. Reeks of an agenda. Oh, we're sorry, Hiram. Just know we love you. <laughs> if that was our agenda, we would be real assholes for the sex line shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we gotta, how didn't you come back with that? I, I just thought of that. I, I, I mean, I came back with the article I worked hard on saying, you know what? These two guard lineups really do work more often than not in the NBA. And it's worthwhile to give this a shot. Do you um, think that um, we might run into issue uh, with the Better Business Bureau for selling sex land shirts? Oh, if you think that's bad, wait for these Portland shirts. <laughs> Portland. We suck. <laughs> We're truly the worst. What can I say? No, seriously, if Kevin Porter Jr. wasn't looking way ahead of schedule right now, this would not be a conversation. Like, you would say, okay, it kind of sucks that Sexton and Garland just don't have chemistry right now and and appear to be kind of hurting each other's games. Um, You would just kind of have to work your way through that. But with KPG looking so damn good, um, and with the fit being so natural there, it, it's causing me to have this conversation a lot earlier than I expected. And as I said before, things are fluid. It can change. But I, I just think right now that's probably the right decision. Yeah. Um, I just feel like it's time to figure out whether Colin Sexton can play well in the role that we ultimately need him to play in i don't know mm-hmm. is that is that too basic you know what it is but at the same time it, it's also accurate like that that's really what it just comes down to we we need to figure out roles for these guys and i think staggering them right now gives you an opportunity to explore whether or not that change is productive for both players and then you adjust from there um i I just want the ball in Garland's hands more. I, I want him to, to kind of figure things out. And I don't want to take away from what can make Colin Sexton special, which is him going out there, bringing energy, um, scoring in bunches at, at times. And I, I think that that is a profile of a player that is more suited to the bench, which it, it, it is what it is. Would you uh, use him to sweeten a Kevin Love or Jordan Clarkson deal? Um, would I? Yes. Only, but my return would actually have to be pretty, like, like it would have to be something. It would yeah. have to be something that you actually get excited about because I don't want to give up on a kid that works that hard that does get along with most of the guys. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe less so than. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as the words came out of my mouth, that, that was something that was true. And, and then Tristan Thompson tried to murder him. So I, 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 <laughs> I, I, maybe you take that into consideration. 
I would absolutely, that would be something that I would float around out there to, to see, yeah, especially see, if you can hey. get a small Ford, especially if you can get yeah. a goddamn small Ford, because we need that because just as much as what I'm saying about Sexton is true. Um, it also applies to Jetty Osmond. I, I think him in a bench role is absolutely perfect. The second unit could use his spacing, his playmaking. I think he'd be able to handle the ball more against second unit defenders. It just makes too much sense. But the issue that we've had with Sexton and the issue that we've had with Jetty is that there hasn't been a viable solution in those starting positions instead of them, although now one's starting to merge with Porter Jr. Yep, I think that's fair. I think for a Sexton trade uh, return, uh, I think your answer is pretty pretty correct. Like, you don't just throw him in. But if if Colin Sexton is the difference between getting a deal you really like done and not getting it done, then you probably go ahead and include him. But only if it's a deal you really like. If it's a deal that's like, oh, it'd be nice if we could get this done, I don't think you include him. I think it's – he needs to function as some sort of trump card. Um, I I agree. And and I think Kobe Altman – I think Kobe Altman's going to have to get a little creative when it, ta- when it comes to this Kevin Love trade market. In, instead of, let's say, what we were talking about with Justice Winslow and James Johnson, I think you're going to have to go, okay, Justice Winslow, James Johnson, Dion Waiters. Add more salary to it. Take more uh, bad contracts off the books if it gets you a prospect that you really are confident in. Um, if Colin Sexton is that sweetener that gets it over the, the goal line, absolutely, you consider that. I, I think... Kobe's going to have to be aggressive. He's going to have to get creative. And I, I, I'm confident that he, he's going to be able to pull something off here. I don't know if I'm confident he's going to be able to pull something off, but I sure hope he can. Well, let's uh, – <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see who's correct. I mean, I, I'm, it's going to be a gut punch whenever that trade comes. Even if it is a good return, it's kind of yep. going to be a bit of a bummer. Uh, that's going to be mega sad. Yeah, but as I've shown in the past, I have a remarkable ability to move on and to compartmentalize that and and look on the bright side. So hopefully we get something worth caring about in return. Um, Hopefully everything goes well with you this week, Carter. I'm, 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 I'm excited for you. I'm terrified for you because the concept of fatherhood is something that terrifies me but i know you will do a great job so all the best to you and kylie i will try to hold down the fort without you thanks and, uh, me, me and the listeners we're, we're going to have a little powwow we're going to hang out together and uh hopefully we don't burn this place down without you but i want to thank all of our listeners for your support uh shout out to dakota schmidt who helped out uh on the Did podcast wonderfully Two days ago, gave me a lot of good information on the G League. I encourage everybody to go check that one out. Um, if you want to support us, there are many ways to do so. You can leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to check out the Chase Down Premium feed, Google Chase Down Premium, just 99 cents for your first month to try that out, then five bucks a month after that recurring. Um, I do a weekly youth update where I talk about uh, the stat lines from the young players, kind of my general thoughts around those guys, uh, breaking news updates, um, and what whatever really pops into our minds. So uh, check it out. Only 99 cents. You can make your decision whether or not you feel it's worthwhile. But basically, it's like a Patreon, only the money is going directly to us. 
Uh, but however you guys choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Uh, so thanks a lot. Best of luck, Carter. Thanks to all our listeners. And until next time, go Cats.